0: Welcome and thank you for standing by. At this time, all participants are on listen-only mode until the question and answer session of today's conference. At the time to ask a question, please press star, followed by the number one in your phone, unmute your phone, and record your name when prompted. This call is being recorded. If you have any objections, you may disconnect at this time. May I introduce your speaker for today? Ray Gerhold? please go ahead.
1: Thank you very much, Mark, and thank you, everyone, for joining today's press call. Uh, I am Rhys Gerholt, the Senior Communications Manager for the Climate Program at World Resources Institute, and for those of you that are less familiar with us, WRI is a global research organization working at the nexus of the environment, human well-being, and economic development. Today we are honored that ministers from both Granada and Jamaica can take part in this press call to reflect on the importance of ambitious climate action and share what they want to see from the European Council meeting later this week and how council issues generally can deliver much stronger um, climate action by 2020. Our speakers today are the Honorable Simon Steele, Minister of Climate Resilience, the Environment, Forestry, Fisheries, Disaster Management and Information from Granada. And the Honorable Daryl Voss, Minister Without Portfolio in the Ministry of Economic Growth and Job Creation with Responsibility for the Land, Environment, Climate Change, and Investment Portfolios, who is from Jamaica. Um, The Honorable Dr. Gail uh, Gail Rigober, um, the Minister from St. Lucia, had hoped to join us as well but she ultimately was unable due to unforeseen conflict, and she sends her apologies. Uh, we often hear about climate leadership from vulnerable countries in the Pacific. So countries in the Caribbean, like Grenada and Jamaica, are just as committed to leading on this issue, as we can see uh, in the tangible steps they're taking to harness uh, the potential of renewable energy, diversifying their economies, and helping secure stronger outcomes in the UN climate talks, like um, what I'm calling from um, today here in Bonn, Germany. Um, An example of this is the chair of the uh, Alliance um, for Small Island States is from Belize. Um, It's also important to note that the UN Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, has set a clear benchmark for success in the UN Climate Action Summit this September by challenging countries to present concrete plans to strengthen the national climate commitments um, by 2020. And just two days ago, the UN chief specifically called upon the EU to step up its 2030 climate goal to 55%. Um, so it's in this context of heightened expectations for countries to strengthen their national climate plans that we hold today's press conference. I'd like to now turn the floor over to Minister Simon Steele from Grenada. Minister, the floor is yours. Okay, thank you very much, um, Maurice, and a uh, good morning, certainly from
2: um, from Grenada to um, to all who are in on this call. Um, I'd like to start. Um, by just making a a simple statement that the vulnerabilities of small island developing states um, is well-articulated. Discussions um, globally and the focus on those vulnerabilities um, have heightened in recent times, Um, certainly with regards to the increase in um, the climate threats to small island developing states. Um, Those vulnerabilities Um, cover the physical, um, the severe weather um, events, be they hurricanes, flooding, sea surges, droughts, um, or the more corrosive, um, the slow-onset events, be that coastal erosion, ocean acidification, loss of our coral reefs, desertification, um, to name but a few. And all of these phenomena um, are a direct and real threat um, to life and the livelihoods of our people, of our communities, um, small island developing states. On the economic side, our economic um, vulnerabilities are also um, well articulated. Our limited fiscal space to do some of the basic things um, disregarding climate change that we need to do, whether it is to do with healthcare, educating our people, providing basic services, water, um, electricity, etc., providing basic infrastructure, and the fact that we are all heavily indebted—that is the the framework in which we then overlay these um, these direct and real threats of climate change. So, therefore, there is a need um, to build um, greater resilience, both a physical, economic and social um, level and Grenada has shown leadership is showing leadership on these fronts and taking a holistic view to resilience um, first of all on the economic side um, we've been through a process and um, between a three-year process of structural adjustment where we've made these uh, the, the uh, painful but necessary sacrifices to create um, greater fiscal space so that we can start doing some of these critical things that um, that, that we need to do. Uh, Grenada has also um, been the, the first country within the region to establish a dedicated ministry of climate resilience which demonstrates the strategic approach that we are taking to tackling um, climate change. And we're grasping the realities um, that, that we face um, with these very bold steps. The approach that's taken is policy-driven. It is driven by our national adaptation plans, our national determined contributions, other climate-related and developmental policies, so policy-driven. And through the support of agencies, such as the NDC partnership, working with the Green Climate Fund, other development partners, um, such as GIZ, um, we've started to develop a pipeline of transformational projects, which address both um, the climate action that we need to take, but also um, key uh, developmental needs Um, So whether those projects are in the areas of sustainable energy, resilient critical infrastructure, climate-smart agriculture, disaster risk management, uh, sustainable natural resources, um, and human resource development and institutional capacity building, um, we've started to match our adaptation and mitigation needs um, through the development of tangible projects concepts, mapping those concepts that address those needs against available finance, and finance is a critical area, and I'll come on to that shortly, and then the capacity constraints that we have, the gaps that we have that need to be filled. Um, we've taken um, a very uh, ambitious stance, but we've already been able to um, demonstrate some early successes. So with the Green Climate Fund and the Government of Germany, um, we have raised um, through grant support somewhere in the region of 45 million U.S. dollars for a water project that will build resilience um, into our water sector, a key vulnerability and a project that will transform, build um, additional um, resilience in that sector. Then another project that is um, funded, um, well, initial feasibility support, again by the Green Climate Fund, with the technical assistance of New York University to establish our um, our town, Saint George, Saint George's, as the first climate smart city um, within the region, and through that. Um, We're developing, um, identifying key interventions that um, that address our climate vulnerabilities and developing um, the feasibility studies, the concepts um, for those interventions. And in this early stage, we've already developed a pipeline of projects um, or developing projects that are valued in the region of 350 million US dollars. So a significant, um, a significant project and working through NYU, um, NYU have engaged, uh, NASA scientists who have done some, uh, very innovative, um, climate modeling, um, modeling our sea level rise, um, profiles, um, over the, over the next 30 years. And we have identified, um, areas such as our carronage, which is in the heart of our city center a key um, commercial um, hub, key tourism um, center for Grenada. Um, Also, Grand Anse Beach, um, one of the most beautiful beaches um, in the region. Um, Again, a key tourism asset. But some of this modeling by NASA has has revealed that 30 years from now, these key assets will be under water. We're also looking at other key assets, such as our airport, roads, other critical infrastructures um, that are vulnerable to climate change and the interventions that are required for that. So these activities, this is just the start, but it highlights the importance of access to climate financing um, and the role of institutions such as the um, the Green Climate Fund in terms of providing resources um, for us to um, to take the necessary action. And with the Green Climate Fund looking to replenish its funds later this year, um, the importance of the international community to step up and fulfill its responsibility in providing support to the Green Climate Fund and other um, financing institutions. So just to conclude this, this opening session, Grenada, um, as, um, as with other small island developing states, is doing what it can, is demonstrating um, the leadership in terms of taking action against um, climate change and demonstrating ambition in terms of what needs to be done. We have no choice. We are doing what we have to do. And it also highlights the importance and the responsibility of the developed nations who are the ones who are responsible for the causes of climate change and with the resources to to address um, the challenges that we face to demonstrate meaningful leadership also. I'm encouraged by the commitment the UK has demonstrated um, in its goal to achieve net zero emissions by 2050 and we urge the rest of the European Union to follow suit. So on that
1: note I would like to end that opening statement. Thank you very much Minister for that insightful overview and I'd now like to turn the floor over to Minister
3: Daryl Voss from Jamaica. Thank you very much. Uh, Good morning to my colleague Minister uh, Steele, and to, of course, all your listeners, and a pleasant good morning to all. Let me just start by saying in October 2018, Jamaica's Prime Minister, Andrew Honis, revealed his ambitions for the country to reach 50% renewable energy by 2030, up from the official policy of 30% and to 20% in its first NDC. We are now ramping up that scenario analysis to explore more more concretely how to make this happen, but also identify the abatement potential from other sectors like waste, land use and forestry, marine sector through ocean initiatives, and transport. We are indeed glad to do so through the NDC partnership and leverage the support from the World Bank. Like Grenada and St. Lucia, we intend to develop a partnership plan to make these aspirations a reality, hold ourselves accountable to our citizens and stakeholders. In May this year, Jamaica organized a national consultation on the theme, Jamaica Raising Ambition, Connecting the Dots, engaging our key stakeholders using, following the format of the Talanoa Dialogue to understand where we are and reflect where we want to go as a society and stronger, more resilient economy and how we can get there. This was an important milestone to further awareness, but also find solutions from within and get our citizens and national stakeholders strongly engaged. Jamaica is leading the way in the Caribbean on how we engage the private sector. In February this year, we mobilized more than 70 micro, small, and medium-sized enterprises to identify ways to better support private sector investment for advancing climate action in Jamaica. This event brought together diverse stakeholders from farmers, fisher folk, entrepreneurs, to representatives from incubating center, universities, banks, credit unions, stock exchange, and governments. This was part of the project from the Green Climate Fund Readiness Program, aiming at mobilizing private sector engagement in developing low carbon and climate resilient projects in Jamaica and other CARICOM states. Jamaica is co-leading with France and Qatar of the UNSG work stream on finance. As a small island developing state, no stranger to the impacts of climate change, we see our role in the climate finance and carbon pricing track, as that of a country that will voice to developing countries and mobilize action to tackle the persistent neglect on adaptation needs. In response to one of the key priorities of the track, Jamaica will engage in a productive, realistic, and collective-driven dialogue around a transformational shift in the global financing sector in order for it to work at scale and in alignment with the Paris Agreement. We recognize that the transition into low-carbon economies can only be achieved through efficient, effectively mainstreaming climate risk into fiscal and budgetary planning, creating an enabling environment for the mobilization of blended adaptation finance and building national capacity to develop bankable projects that are scalable and resilient. I would therefore like to reiterate the call from my colleague, Minister Steele, we expect the EU and other developed countries, based on their commitments under the Paris Agreement, to double their contributions to the the Green Climate Fund and demonstrate with action that we can collectively achieve mitigation and adaptation targets, transform our economies, and look into the future with hope. We encourage other emerging economies able to contribute to do so. The United Nations Climate Summit in September is an opportunity to generate climate action in a year that is deemed to be critical in the fight against climate change. Jamaica is playing our part in demonstrating leadership. We expect other countries such as the EU, Japan, Canada, and other developed countries to lead the charge and come prepared in September with ambitious and concrete plans to scale up climate actions and climate finance. And just to close by saying that I'm in total agreement with my colleague, Minister Steele's presentation earlier. And once again, as we said last year, uh, that the time for talk is long over. It's time for action. The small island developing states are experiencing the effects of climate change on a daily basis. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much for those reflections, Minister, and um, to, to both of you. Uh, I'd now like to open the floor to questions. So, um, operator, if you could please explain how um, those on the line committee submit a question.
0: Certainly. We will now begin the question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question, please press star followed by the number 1 in your phone. Unmute your phone and record your name clearly when prompted. Your name is required to introduce your question. To cancel your request, press star followed by the number 2. One moment please for our incoming questions.
1: Great. And as we wait for that, I just wanted to reiterate that the um, call today will be recorded. So for those that were able to join or maybe have joined late, um, you can access that. Just let me know, and I will send you that recording after the call.
0: Speakers, our first question comes from Megan Rowling of Thomson Reuters. Your line is now open.
4: Hello. Hi, everybody. Um, thank you for the call. Um, I have a couple of questions. One is for Minister Vaz. Um, I understand that Jamaica is working with France um, ahead of the UNSG summit in September to, um, to advance the work on, on finance and get a good result on finance um, at that meeting. I'm just wondering if you could uh, fill us in on what's been done so far um, and what we can expect on finance at that meeting and whether the talks in Bonn over the next 10 days uh, can push that forward and if so, how Um, And my second question is a a more general question about the Caribbean um, and whether we're seeing or you're seeing in your region um, a similar mobilization of young people um, around climate action um, as we've seen in in other parts of the world from Europe to Asia and North America. Uh, Thank you very much.
3: Thank you very much for that question. We, I can say that Prime Minister Honis, as you know, was asked by President Macron to co-chair the, the uh, Finance Committee, and they are working assiduously in relation to making sure that the objectives of that are met. Um, it is coincidental that just last week, Prime Minister Honis was actually in Switzerland addressing an ILO conference and was to have met uh, President Macron thereafter. Unfortunately, that had to be canceled because of the unfortunate uh, passing of a former prime minister in Jamaica. But I know that they are making plans actually to meet again and to make sure that the mandate that they have been given is fully uh, uh, covered for the conference coming up in in Bonn. Uh, In relation to your other question, I I can't... definitively say, and I'm sure um, Minister Steele can also comment, that the the whole issue of climate change, um, because of the impacts that we have had in Jamaica, especially in recent years, has definitely gotten sensitivities among the populace in Jamaica, especially the young people. The environment and climate change are actually very, very, very strong, have very strong support across Uh, the population in Jamaica, specifically among the young people who are much more sensitized to the effects of it and also to working towards the prevention of it. So we do have uh, strong support in Jamaica, and I think that it is something that uh, the younger generation realizes that will only get worse as the time goes by and affect their generations and generations to come. So as a government, we are working to make sure that the entire country is sensitized to the effects of climate change so that they can also be a part of the solution.
2: Well, just building on, on Minister Vaz's comments, I think the, the there is a, a fundamental difference in terms of awareness uh, um, to climate change here in the Caribbean versus... Um, uh, other developed countries. So the movement that you're seeing, uh, the likes of uh, the, the phenomenal work that Greta Thunberg and others are doing in, in bringing awareness and, and mobilizing, um, mobilizing the youth. Um, here in the Caribbean, it's not about convincing our governments of the need for climate action um whereas that may well be the case um across Europe the United States and other um other countries here in the Caribbean we're feeling it from the youngest to the oldest of us um we had one of the most active seasons um in 2017 2000, uh, in 2017 um speaking from Grenada's perspective um we had hurricanes um uh, Ivan and Emily in 2004-2005, which destroyed or damaged 95% um, of, uh, of, of our infrastructure buildings. So it is something that is at the forefront of all of our minds, as I said, irrespective of age. And what we are seeing from our governments throughout the region um, is an awareness, is Um, action being taken at a national and regional level. We are doing um, as much as we are able to do with all our constraints um, in order to to take action locally and to bring attention um, to the rest of the world as to our vulnerabilities and the responsibilities that exist for us us doing what we have to do, but also the international community doing what it has to do. So we are showing leadership. And I think within that context and, and, and where we currently are, there is an opportunity for us developing states, those that are most, um, most vulnerable, um, to, to demonstrate that leadership to, um, to, to, to the rest of the world.
5: Thank you.
0: Thank you. Speakers, we're sure no further questions. Thank you at this time. As a reminder, if you would like to ask a question, please press star followed by the number one in your phone and record your name. Thank you.
1: Great. Thank you. And as we um, allow the reporters to think more about questions, I'd like to ask one as well because I get it quite frequently from from journalists that might be of value for for others. Um, But I wonder if the both of you could reflect on what are some tangible examples of, of types of things that you're anticipating including in a, a strengthened um, nationally determined contribution and a climate plan and similarly what are some things you're hoping or expecting that um, you know larger developed countries would include in their national plans in 2020 as well
0: speakers. Our next question comes from Sarah Gibbons. Your line's now open.
1: Hi, thank you to you both for being available for questions. Uh, my question is about how plastic might be factoring into your climate resiliency plan. I know Dominica has taken a step to um, ban some of their single-use plastic
5: imports, and I'm wondering if that's a priority for each of your countries as well.
1: um operator do you know if yes. do we lose someone um, Hello? I'm in
0: and has been, has this connected this line one moment as I check the main conference speakers one moment.
5: You
2: said
5: it called off. Mm-hmm. All right? Now, drop off, no longer Minister, minute of our job digital. You said. You said, Minister, just a digital, digital dropped everybody. Let me accept you guys.
1: Hello? Yeah, is this Sarah?
4: Yes.
1: Yeah, my apologies. So both of the ministers' calls dropped at the same time. I'm not sure why. Um, So the operator is doing his best to bring them back in. My apologies to everyone for that. It's a blip. Yeah,
5: no worries. so Mae Gordon from Jamaica, if you want me to go ahead and answer the question on plastic for you
4: um yes, that'd be great.
5: So, as you know, I think it was in October last year, Jamaica um, announced Mm -hmm. fully that that we were going to be banning single-use plastic, including straws, and
3: Mm
5: -hmm. the the ban came into effect in January 1st this year. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it, it is probably one of the first times that the uptake of a policy initiative by government has been fully um, endorsed by the entire population. There has been no dissent um, and so at this time Jamaica has fully banned single-use plastic um, and straws as the ban is in effect in Jamaica for mm-hmm. I know for other Caribbean countries, um, Grenada, um, Antigua and Barbuda I think. Um, I think the Jamaica timeline was very short. And Barbados mm-hmm. has announced, I think, last week as well, and a couple more. So, the, the, for us, it is a it is a serious concern in terms of our ocean health, and therefore, mm-hmm. and the, the wealth of our, our population. And so, we are linking the the plastic and and that with the mm-hmm. creation of wealth in our in our population.
4: Oh, interesting. Can I ask a quick follow-up question?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, are there any other waste infrastructure projects that um, are also being looked at, like recycling, composting, uh, just collection in general?
5: Um, we, we, as you know, we, we have a, what we like to call a dump, and at this time there's a major project that we're working on, um, the tires, some cars um goes right now directly to our dump. We are just about going to conclude an arrangement with a private sector company and therefore would not want to, to advance that. Where we are going to be removing mm-hmm. the tyres before they get to the dump and to use mm-hmm. it as part of the the fuel for for powering and and so that project in terms of waste would significantly reduce the waste going into into the, the landfill. And we're also at this time looking at good waste to energy, the solid waste to energy um, initiative. And that's, that's from a Jamaica point of view. Got it. Thank you so much.
2: Hi, Vera. I, I don't know if you're hearing me, but I, I dropped off the call, so I've just come back into the call. So
1: apologies for my silence.
2: Oh, yes, well, no thank you,
1: Minister. Yeah, but we had an issue with um, I think both um, call both lines, dropped. But I'm glad you were able to call back in. Um, and Unamid um, did a, a excellent job answering um, some examples of Jamaica and what Jamaica has done to deal with plastics, as well as other um, waste issues. Um, Something that you'd like to share in terms of uh, Grenada and, and plastic issues? Okay, this is
2: uh, another serious issue that. I think Grenada um, and um, other islands in the region have taken some very uh, progressive action on. Um, Grenada implemented a ban um, last year on styrofoam polystyrene um, or um, specific polystyrene um, products, which were um, viewed as um, as a, a threat to not just the environment but to, to human health um, also. Um, so that was successfully um, implemented and work very closely with our private sector um, with public engagement um, for the, uh, the banning of those products and the introduction of alternatives. Um, we have uh, implemented a ban on single-use um, shopping bags, plastic, single-use plastic uh, shopping bags, uh which came into force uh last year, the importation of them we're working through what um inventories are currently um in stock but we but by uh, we, and we anticipate that, uh, that that will be depleted um, throughout the course of this year but a firm ban on use of um of those single use um bags um, will come into effect um, in February of next year. Um, drinking straws, plastic drinking straws, other single-use plastics will also be included on that um, on that list. So the concept of refusing um, those um, those polluting plastics is the, um, if you like, the first line of defence on managing our um, our our waste and as uh, as islands and um, with limited uh, land mass um what we do with our waste um is um is of a very very uh, high priority um we're also in the process of implementing with support from the Caribbean Development Bank an integrated solid waste um management um strategy uh, which will be looking at how we can repurpose um, our current landfill sites, um, again through composting, um, uh, other um, elements of, of waste separation, um, but we are also looking at technologies such as waste to energy. So, how we can uh, more efficiently treat with our waste, but then also looking at um, at some of the uh, the, uh, the the, the value add. Elements to that waste, i.e., converting it to energy,
1: um, etc. Great. Thank you, Minister. Um, and I believe Minister Voss was not able to reconnect yet. I think he's not possibly trying to get back in. And um, we're getting late into uh, our hour here. Um, but, operator, can you share? Are there any more questions in the queue? Um,
0: speakers, are there any questions in you at this time?
1: Okay, and it is, um, please repeat once more what the directions are.
0: Thank you. As a reminder, if you would like to ask a question, please press star followed by the number one in your phone and record your name. Thank you. we have one question queued in, and this is coming from Justin Catanozo of Mungo Bay. Your line is now open.
6: Minister Steele, uh, uh, thank you for taking this question. Uh, I'm reporting from the United States and you mentioned uh, that you were impressed with the efforts of the UK to set a carbon reduction neutrality plan by 2050. In the UK and across the EU, one of the most um, accelerating uh, uses uh, for, for energy generation is wood pellets. Uh, they're burning wood instead of coal. Uh, that wood is coming largely from the southeastern United States. Because of the Kyoto Protocol and because wood is considered biomass uh, that is renewable, the emissions from wood pellets are not being counted. And there has been lots of research in recent years to suggest that that is erroneous. And right now, uh, wood pellets, the burning of wood pellets in former coal-fired power plants makes up about 40% of the UK's renewable energy mix, and it's growing. Um, My question is whether you're aware of this. Uh, These emissions are not being counted. They're they're called carbon neutral. So while the UK may look like it's reducing its emissions on paper, they're not counting the emissions from burning so much wood. And we're losing forest cover in the United States. It looks like other countries want to provide wood for this market as well. Um, uh, There are environmentalists who say we need more forests, not less and that we can't burn our way out of the climate crisis. I'm, 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 I'm interested in whether this is an issue that you are aware of and whether you are concerned about it. Thank you for taking my question. Okay, Justin, thank you for the question. Well, um,
2: firstly, I'm unaware, so I, I cannot speak specifically to, um, to, to, to this case, but what I can say is um, as, Um, a small island developing states on the front line of the the, the war uh, and the effects of of, of climate change, whatever action is taken at a global level, however uh, the uh, actions are defined, targets are defined, they must be meaningful. It's not about theoretical exercises. It's not about deflecting um, responsibility is not about, um, finding loopholes to exploit. The science behind climate change is, um, irrefutable and very clear as to what, um, what elements, uh, cause, are, are, um, in, impact the causes and those that mitigate against. So it's not something you can cheat or should cheat. And if we were to go down that route of finding those loopholes, so on paper um, we're achieving results, but our sea levels continue to rise and the winds continue to blow, droughts continue to, um, to, 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 to threaten our water security, and threaten our livelihoods, threaten life, um, then that needs to be looked at and action needs to be taken. There needs to be full transparency um, in the process. Of, um, of defining what actions are credible and make a positive difference, uh, and what doesn't.
6: Thank you very much.
1: Yes, thank you very much for those questions. I believe um, we'll, we'll wrap the call up now. Um, if there are more questions, please, you have my email address. I'm happy to do what I can to connect to you with ministers after the fact. And Minister Voss um, was hoping to rejoin, but he's having network issues, and so he does apologize. He was unable to rejoin the question and answer um, session. Um, but with that, I think we'll uh, conclude today's call. I want to, first of all, just very much thank the both ministers for making time, and they're very busy, and I really greatly appreciate that. And, of course, um, thank all of you uh, for, for calling in at all times um, around the world. All right, have a great day. Take care. Thank you very
0: much. Thank you. Thank you. And that
1: concludes today's
0: conference. Thank you all for your participation. You may now disconnect.